0: And I do think it's important to say, I made a very conscious decision. My goal, my first goal here is not to make money again. I think I could have done that. I mean, yeah, we built a wedding photography business. I think I could have built a food photography business. I don't know, right? Coulda, shoulda, woulda, I never have done it. So I can't say I could have, but I think I would know how to maybe start trying. And yes, I made a conscious decision not to, and I understand and recognize and affirm that that is a privilege. And I don't hold that out as some sort of like moral superiority that I did things that way. That was just a choice that my husband and I made together, just like we make all of our choices for our family. Hello,
1: hello. Put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action, and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Today, my guest is very special. She is a fantastic food photographer, but she's also a, I would say, a food podcaster. I don't know if that's the correct way to say it, but she's also a podcaster And what is amazing is that she has this phenomenal way of storytelling through her photos and also through her podcast. So she tells food stories through her podcast, but she also goes and creates those stories in her photos. So to me, she's really a master storyteller for what? Totally draws me to her is that in spite of being such a skillful photographer, in spite of being so tremendously talented, she does not pursue food photography as a business. That is not how she makes money. In fact, she uses food photography to leverage her podcast. Now, that is very interesting. I don't know about you, but I find that a very, very creative and a unique way to bring together Two passions and two skills to support each other, right? But how does she sustain? Like, how does that even happen, right? She's putting in so much effort, money, and time in honing a craft like food photography, but still not monetizing it, commercializing it. How does that work? What drives her? Where's the inspiration? And why does she not do it? So I'm going to have a very, very heartfelt and soulful chat with her about this so that any of us, any of us who's here today, who is not in a position to either pursue food photography commercially or does not want to pursue it commercially, then what are our options? What are the avenues? How can we really think about food photography in a whole different way? That's going to be the crux of my conversation with Becky. And I can't wait to get started. All right. So with that, on to Becky. Hi, Becky, and welcome to My Food Lens podcast. It's such a pleasure. It's such an honor to have you. And I'm always double excited. I'm super excited when my guest is a podcaster themselves. So this is Aww. very, very cool. But Becky, mm. you are a phenomenal food photographer. I mean, I'm always, I'm always just stunned by the storytelling in your photos. No,
0: you're too kind and
1: but something that really stumped me was that you don't do that for a living you are not a professional food photographer and so I am so looking forward to our conversation today because I'm dying to find out why (laughs) why aren't you doing that and you know I just I just can't wait for us to find out a little bit more into why are you still a food photographer what are you using it for Mm -hmm. and just you know, leaving our listeners with a little bit more insight on what are the Mm -hmm. avenues that they can think about if they are not pursuing food photography professionally. So Mm -hmm. this is going to be a very interesting conversation. I can't wait to get started. But before that, Becky, would you be able to please just introduce yourself to our audience? Please tell us your name, your business, your location, Mm -hmm. your social media handles, please.
0: Absolutely. And first of all, thank you for having me. I'm completely honored to be here. And I'm so excited to get to know you and your beautiful, beautiful personality better. Um, So, Yes, yes. So yes, my name is Becky Hadid and I host the Storied Recipe podcast, which is a unique concept. Every guest comes to me. I have global guests around the world. And once a week, a guest comes and brings a recipe with them that they cherish for its significance to their heritage or their memories. And we do talk a little bit about the recipe. Some episodes we talk a lot, some episodes we talk a little, but we really use it to dive deep into their life, their culture. Sometimes, like if they've done a a significant or recent piece of work, we talk about that, but sometimes it's someone who's not really in the food world and this is just meaningful to them. Maybe they bring a strong perspective from a place in the world that I don't know a lot about. Um, it's just a very curiosity-driven podcast. I always say that the community around it believes that food is a love language. And because of it, we become better cooks and better global citizens. And I think we become more grateful because we just think about food from a broader perspective. And yeah, that's what I do. I live outside of Washington, D.C., north of Washington, D.C. in Maryland. And I think that's your first question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fabulous, fabulous, amazing. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk a lot more about your podcast as we move oh. forward. Before that, mm-hmm. I want to I want to just go back a little bit. I know yeah. a little bit about your mm. uh, transition. So you know yeah. how wedding photography is always like the most hotshot line of mm. photography. Mm. <laughs> so you were a wedding photographer and you I moved. Was.
0: You moved, yes. right? And yeah. what
1: happened? Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yes. So yeah, I was a wedding photographer. This is a great market to be a wedding photographer in the DC area has, I mean, I have shot at the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yes. I've shot um, multiple times. We were actually on the preferred vendor list at the National Cathedral. So we got wedding. So fancy. Yes. You know, the Hey Adams (laughs) Hotel, which has been in a lot of movies, you know, we got to shoot at some really incredible locations. And then, you know, we're near Annapolis. So we got all kinds of water locations and then Baltimore. Um, we got some really, there's, uh, the National Basilica up there. We mm. shot there and, mm. um, and then in Western Maryland, it's actually gets very rural very quickly. So we did a lot of farm type weddings. So yes, I was a wedding photographer. I loved it. First of all, I worked with my sister-in-law. So I got into it. She, um, I had been married about nine years, I think, when she met my brother-in-law, and she was incredible. She was incredible. And that was about the same time that my third child came home. I have four boys. Ooh. And Ooh. Um,
1: my <laughs> oh, older wow. brother,
0: yeah, it was an adoption, and we had been waiting a long time. And my older brother was so excited for us that he gave us the SLR camera. Ooh. And yes, and <laughs> I just, um, I knew from my, she wasn't my sister-in-law yet but i knew from her website what this camera could do and i went all in you know during midnight feedings i was reading the manual from start to finish i was reading books i was you know practicing all the time and when she married my brother-in-law and moved up here i asked her you know if she would mentor me and one session and and the first shot i showed her this is so funny how it all goes back the first shot i showed her was a shot of soup oh. actually and she said honestly Becky, you really are good at this, and I think you should start your own business. Wow! I know. <laughs> and wow! I, one I know. shot. There you I, go. Well, well, the first one <laughs> I showed her. I mean, obviously, right. you know. And uh, and um, I remember just being in the shower one day, and I was thinking it through. And my husband, he started a business when we got married, and so through our first few kids, he was really in that building mode. It was a lot. It was a lot of work. He was working really hard. And, uh, I didn't feel that it was natural to me and I didn't feel like, uh, we could both be building a business at the same time, especially with our kids, the ages they were. And we knew, um, that we were going to adopt a fourth. And so I knew that that process was going to be, um, it was just unpredictable, but I wanted to do it. So I barely knew this woman and I went to Susie and (laughs) I just said, what do you think about me working with you? And then I said but I need to let you know, I'm not really a behind the scenes person. So Mm. even though I'm not as good as you, (laughs) it's going to need to be a partnership. I don't know why I had the nerves to say that. And I don't know why she said yes. Yeah. But she was like, I think this is an amazing idea. And that was it. We started a business together. We got so close. You know, When you build something with someone that is such a bond. Yeah. it's a different bond than, you know, going out to the movies or going to get a cup of coffee together. There's a special bond there when you build something with someone. And um, it was a wonderful time working with her. And so, so that was the number one thing that I loved. I think about my time, it was almost, it was like nine years as a wedding Mm. photographer. Um, I loved like the endless improvement to your craft when you are a wedding photographer is to be a good wedding photographer, you need to do the details part of the day. You need to be able to pose people well. You need to be able to very quickly choose light um, in a lot of you know uncontrollable situations. You need to essentially be able to do street photography well. You need to be amazing with your off-camera flash for um, dark reception halls. So you're just constantly improving your photography. And so creatively, that was incredibly fulfilling. And you're doing it with a lot of a lot of boundaries around you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like There's only so much you can control in any given situation. And there's a mm-hmm. real art in and of itself to figuring out what can you control and what can't you. So when do you step in and say, we're going to change this here for this getting ready shot. It's going to be a magical shot if you're facing this way. If mm-hmm. you keep going this way, it's not. Um, you know, wh- where do you draw the line? You're never going to stop a ceremony and say, change yeah. this, change that. So yeah. where, yeah. you know, so then I think that was the final thing is relationally, it is so, um, well, there's so much adrenaline on a yeah. wedding day, which I loved. But relationally, you are managing a lot of expectations from a lot of people that are not always in agreement on one of the most critical and memorable days of a person's life. And I loved that relational challenge. And you get close to people. You really do um, a lot. Like some of my closest followers are former brides or even Ah. grooms. Oh, wow. How special. Yes. Yes. Or or even, uh, you know, I I was just messaging. I shared like a long thing um, last week from a sister of a groom. Um, She was a bridesmaid in a wedding I photographed. And so I loved everything about wedding photography. I really Mm -hmm. did. And for that phase in my life, it was so... Great for my family and for my marriage. Because, like I said, my husband was building, he owns a software company. Mm -hmm. So he was building that and he was very, very busy. And I was with my young kids and it gave me enough during the day, you know, like you're following the processes or you're trying to build a new process. And then on the weekends, I mean, when you are at a wedding day, first of all, it's a very long day. We would generally travel for it. There is not one brain cell in your head that can be devoted to anything Mm -hmm. besides that moment. You are managing the situation. like You are literally giving your all in every second of a wedding day. And we took pride in that. We took pride that your dancing photos at the end of the day were going to be as good as your pose photo in golden hour in front of the setting sun. Like we took pride in that, that we were going to give you the best photo we could at every second of the day, thousands of them, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. And so, and meanwhile, my husband was at home Full on with the kids. Sunday, he would take a lot of responsibility, like if I was recovering. And it was just good because we would live a little bit of each other's life. You know, like I understood a little bit of the feelings as you're trying to build something. I understood dealing with difficult people. You know what I mean? And he was full on with the kids. Like there was no, we parent very differently. And it was like, there's no questioning from me because I'm not there. You do you. (laughs) And if they fall off a cliff, you know what? Tell me about it the next day, you know. And so it was such a great thing. I think it brought a lot of balance to our lives at that time, which I really enjoyed. But but the idea of really only working on weekends becomes um, as your kids get older. And so I was with them less during the week. Those weekend times became more precious. And mm-hmm. I just knew in my own mind that when my oldest started high school. I wanted to be available on the weekends. Oh. I knew that a lot of those weekend activities were going to pick up. And uh, I don't know. I just had in my own mind, that was what I was going to do. And so that's what we did. And I think we, uh, well, I'll tell you, it was a real, it was a real blessing. Like, we couldn't have planned it any better because I shot my last wedding, October 27th, 2019, which means COVID started the next spring. Right just when our wedding yes. season would have been picking up again. And uh, that was my oldest freshman year hmm. it was his first year in high school. And all of my wedding vendor friends just now are wrapping up all of the weddings that got pushed back. Oh. From COVID. Mm-hmm. And they were these insane seasons because they were shooting the old weddings and the new weddings. It was very challenging for them financially. And so my sister-in-law just look at each other so often, we still get together every Tuesday morning for coffee. (laughs) We're (laughs) still very close. And we have looked at each other so many times and said, thank God, like that was just God, because it was something that I felt compelled to do. It was very difficult for us to do because we loved working together. It was almost like um, a grieving process for us to like stop that, you know? Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, I just think, and now my oldest is going into his senior year and I've had I've had these weekends with him and COVID was a whole different situation, not just with him, with all four of my kids. And so, Mm um, yeah, that's why I stopped. I just thought this is like not right for the season of my life anymore. And the soup photo was right there, inspiring (laughs) you, (laughs) telling you, go on, pick up that camera again. Right, Right, (laughs) right, right. Well, so with that, um, you know, starting something is always the hardest thing. Like, how do you get those first few clients? And if this was a wedding photography podcast, I would tell you how. But I will say, the first few months, or maybe even year or two, you're just trying to fill out content. And yeah. so, on the blog, I would actually, I love to cook, I love to shoot food, I would just share food content. And hmm. I actually got a call from King Arthur Flour hmm. asking me. Would you submit a lookbook for this project we're working on? Wow. And I did. And of course I never heard back. But that was so early in my wedding photography career. And I think it always played in my head of, oh, this is like a real, a real thing that yeah, I could yeah. always that I could always do. And then as we tapered off, so you know, wedding, especially here in the DC area, it's a very high-end market. Weddings are planned so far in advance we made the decision to stop long before mm-hmm. that last wedding was shot. And so I just started shooting food because I, frankly, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then I was putting it on Instagram, you know, different time at the moment. And I was, ama- I discovered this really, truly amazing community. I think the best community on Instagram is the food, the food. and food photography. I I, generally- <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I really do. So yeah, it was just kind of a natural I guess I never really stopped. I just, yeah. I love taking photos. And so as I was taking less of the other, I started taking more of the food, food photos. And
1: mostly it was for your blog. You just wanted to keep that creativity going. Well, keeping initially, for photography.
0: Mm-hmm. Initially, yeah. And then when I started the second time, it wasn't really for a blog. It was, I, I think I didn't really know why. I had a couple different ideas and mm-hmm. they didn't really pan out. And then this one. Yeah was the idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So basically, it was 2020. Would that be right to say somewhere in the beginning of 2020 is when you started completely shifting to food photography. And Mm -hmm. so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you just began shooting food. Of course, you had a lot of technical knowledge because in Mm -hmm. wedding photography, from what I hear, you were basically doing portrait photography, events photography, food photography. And sports photography because you had motion yeah. people dancing, <laughs> <That's true>. right? <laughs> yes, so you true. were covering so many different lines of photography mm. just by covering weddings. So obviously, mm-hmm. technically, you were very strong. Mm. But then, food comes with its own mm-hmm. different set of how do you capture mm-hmm. food? Uh, it's not dancing, but it could, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> how do you how? So tell us a little bit about what was your mindset? Uh, you were mm-hmm. pursuing photography. You were doing that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. What was working for you? What was not working for mm-hmm. you? And why did you decide not to do that or not to pursue it commercially?
0: Yes. So really what worked for me, and this is the way that I learned most of my photography is I, like I said, I think so much of what I do in my life is driven by curiosity. I am just a naturally curious person. I think that's one of my defining personality characteristics. And um, it's as simple as, and this was the same when I started wedding photography, you even heard it really about my sister-in-law. I looked and I said, that's better than what I can do. Why is it better? And I think in my mind, I've just established this way of asking myself, what's better about that photo? What do I like about that photo that I've never done? And then the next time I shoot, I try to do it. And um, it's not that I'm copying the photo at all. It's that um, one of my favorite photos, it's, it's actually a self-portrait and it's the first photo on the homepage of my website. I remember seeing a photo from, um, do you know Muriel Banakis? Oh gosh, uh, I can't pronounce her last name at the moment. She's a vegan food photographer in Canada. Um, she's been on the podcast. She's a phenomenal photographer. And I remember looking at a photo and saying, oh, why did that stop me? And I said to myself, it's the angle it's the angle of the photo. Yeah, And then um, I remember I took this photo, I shared it and she went crazy for it. And I I said to her, I said, you know, what's funny is I was inspired by, and I went back to the other photo. Well, the two looked nothing alike. I was astonished how little they looked alike because <laughs> I had her so strongly in my mind when I took the shot, but it's, I'll choose one thing. I'll say, I've never shot from that angle before. That's what's making me stop and look at this photo, you know, or I'll and so, I think for me, the shift to food photography was just, it was a natural thing to photograph. And I, I love to photograph. I'm kind of addicted to it. But I think how I got better, it really was that it was just seeing what people were doing, um, taking any photo that I saw. I have a huge inspiration board and just saying, why is that photo better? And then trying to mimic that in, at some point in my next shoot. And um, you just slowly build up your technique. I will also say that food photography is almost identical lighting-wise to a very specific part of the wedding day, which is at least here in the US, as you get into higher-end weddings, shooting the details. So the invitation suite, Mm -hmm. the ring, the jewelry, maybe a sash, the shoes... Corsages, things like that. There's a real like art to doing that. Yeah. And that type of photography transfers very well to food photography if you're kind of just taking a photo of the dish. Right. Um, and then, you know, action actually does translate pretty well to portrait photography, understanding the way that light works on people and, and faces and, and uh, motion and things like that. So, yeah, those two things transferred, transferred well. So yeah, I started and Instagram was a different place and I was chugging along and just, I was like euphoric. I was just so enjoying were, it.
1: You were putting out your work on social media as a food Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And then, you know, I started to get a lot of people, brands reaching out and the free stuff in the mail. Well, you do this for exchange and all of that. And it seemed like the next, like it seemed like right. such a natural transition. The yeah. only problem was... I could not get excited about it. Mm. I just couldn't mm. get that excited so about it. so interesting. So interesting. And I thought, you know, my sister-in-law, it was an amazing businesswoman. And she taught me about systemizing. And she taught me about processes. And she taught me about pitching. And um, who knows if I would have been successful or not. But I do know I would know how to go about starting this. And I just... I couldn't get excited, and I think that there was such a personal aspect to the wedding photography that I felt would be missing. I think mm-hmm. I intuitively felt like it would be missing, even though I didn't. Um, I wasn't able to name it at the time. And then I think that I also—this is all intuitive and subconscious. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. This is looking back, yeah, I think that when I looked at the photos that I loved, there was this sense of nostalgia. And action and storytelling in them that was so um, it just it went very deep into me and it conjured up something that I also feel when I cook on a slow afternoon. This is not every afternoon. I have four kids and you know, those <laughs> hours are busy, busy, busy hours. Um, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. But when I am cooking and cutting potatoes and this afternoon light is coming in and I just. I feel, I know this sounds so silly, but I feel connected to generations and generations and generations of people. I feel connected to God. I feel connected to this nature he gave me. And to just take photos for brands, it didn't feel like big enough. Yeah. Yeah. um, If that makes sense. I know this sounds really silly, but that's how I felt. And I was in a position that I didn't need to make money for my family. And I think I was also in a position where because my sister-in-law and I worked together and we were two very different people creatively, that confined both of us because we needed to have one brand, right? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like I could shoot one way and she could shoot another and I could edit one way and she could edit another. We needed to have one consistent brand that people knew this was Susie and Becky photography. So I think I also felt this really strong urge to experiment a lot. And in a way that was just very connected to people. So yeah. my initial thought was, I was still thinking business, 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 business. And so my initial thought was, maybe what I can do is, um, you know, food is so important to people and to families. And there are people who do go into families' homes and document mm-hmm. them making a recipe, and then they mm-hmm. make an album for them. And That is like the one-to-one correlation with wedding photography, right? Like everything I love about wedding photography, I can do with that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I thought that's that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit of harder ground to break than food photography because there's a little bit more of a standard process there, right? But that's what I'm going to do. And I was listening to a podcast about marketing because I thought this is really difficult ground to break. Yeah. And they said, choose two socials that you would be. Good at and mm-hmm. forget all the rest, hmm. and they started naming. These are you know the things you could do, and one of them was Instagram. That was a, that was right. a given for me because yep. things were going very well there. And then they were naming, 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 and then they said you know podcast. And I thought you know uh-huh. I think I'd be good at that. <laughs> oh <laughs> I wow! Think I I think I'd be good at that because my personality again is like I my husband laughs. I you know every time I go to the park I meet a stranger and they say. I've never told anyone else this before. You know, I can't believe I'm telling you this story. And so I just thought, well, I would be good at that. And so in my mind, it was still, I was going to use it as a way to advertise for customers for this idea that I had.
1: I just want to like say that I think that you Mm. pursued your joy Mm. for photography in the the purest way, in the truest Mm. way that somebody could, you know, you did not want to dilute its sanctity. I would say, mm. in a way, you know. And so mm-hmm. you just wanted to keep creating, finding mm-hmm. that joy. You were mm-hmm. challenging yourself and you were finding mm-hmm. inspiration. You were getting better at your craft. But at the same time, you were like, this is not going to make me happy. And you yeah. constantly questioned that. And you took a very bold step. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you didn't have to, um, you know, contribute to the finances of your family. And that is a very big plus for many. Like, you know, not everybody has that. No, but, right. But just, from a creatively enriching life, I think the step that you took was just so, so bold. I'm I'm amazed. I'm so, I'm just, oh. I am I'm was just like smiling, listening. I'm like, that mm. takes another level of being secure in yourself and just mm. knowing what you want. Mm. But at the same time, you are constantly looking for something, you know, which is why you went and you were looking, which is mm. how the podcast. So, so I want to come now, I want mm. to come to the podcast. And so tell us that, you know, mm-hmm you were in food photography and you were looking at all these opportunities and the podcast really stuck something in you Mm -hmm. Uh, but why was it food why wasn't it wedding photography like where did that touch your heart and you know what were the strings that were strumming when you when that idea came to you so tell us a little bit about the podcast and then your thought and why it was food for you and not wedding photography.
0: Well, I, I mean, I think it never even occurred to me wedding photography. I think I had just closed that chapter and I think anything that I could contribute to a conversation on wedding photography would be, it would just be very, it would be either technical or it would be business or relational. There's a lot to say about wedding photography, but I guess I just didn't see myself as, um, we were very good wedding photographers and we made very good money doing it. Um, but I wouldn't call myself a leader in that industry. So I wasn't going to start a podcast educating other people. There were people in that space who were doing it better than I could have at the time, better than I could now. Um, Caitlin James comes to mind. I still watch her stuff because she's such a phenomenal educator. So anything that I was going to do was going to be from a curiosity standpoint. I wanted to learn. And for me, food is... I still remember laughing because whenever you start something new, you always have a lot of insecurity. I still have so much insecurity. I am not a confident person, but the one thing I never doubted, I remember telling my idea to a few people and they would say, well, do you think you're going to find enough people that connect to food like that and have a recipe like that? And I just remember laughing and being like, oh, oh yes. I am positive. I am positive that food impacts enough people this way, and so um, I guess yeah, it just never occurred to me to do wedding photography. Why food? I can't tell you. I have interviewed hundreds of people now, or not not hundreds, but well over a hundred people, and I can tell you some people have that connection to it, and some people do not, and I don't know why it is, but there are people. I just interviewed someone last night, a Pakistani woman. And she was raised in a very wealthy home. They had everyone do everything. They had a chef and she went into the kitchen and learned because she loved it. Mm, And I think that's how it is for some people. (laughs) And I think that some people don't love to cook, but they love, they feel like they had that grandmother and the way their grandmother loved them was through food. And right. so they've experienced it that way. I think I was just curious. I wanted to know about new techniques. I wanted to know about these people's stories and I wanted something, it was connected to the photography only in the sense that really beautiful food photography from those that I admired were creating a sense of nostalgia in me that I wanted to pursue in my interviews. That's it's It's just as simple as that, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I think because... Um, you know, what you said earlier about wedding photography, Mm -hmm. it was like a shared business, a
0: shared craft, Mm -hmm. shared creativity. This was really you. It was all you, right? You're right. Yeah. And I remember actually, it's very, um, you know, uh, Kimberly Espinel does the um, eCapture Capture, Share challenge. And I don't do challenges on Instagram anymore, but that was a very defining thing for me. It brought a lot of my community to me. And I remember really early on, I took this photo I took a self-portrait because it connected to me to this wedding business that I had just come out of. And I created a bouquet from a few flowers in my garden and mm-hmm. broccoli and <laughs> onion leaves. And my, my point, like I was trying to say something, which is this food that we eat that comes out of the ground and that we don't even give a second thought about. If you look at the intricacies and the foliage, it is as beautiful as florals. And it's nourishing, and it's sustaining, and it's delicious, and it's like this. Just even to this day, this blows my mind. Like I feel like there's no better expression of God's love for us. These are miracles. This food is miraculous, <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to show that and talk about that. And that's, I mean, food really makes me feel that way. Yeah, yeah. So. and I think you totally you bring that forward so beautifully mm. in your
1: photos. And I oh, think you. your heart just comes out in Mm. you know in the way you create and I think also your podcast I think your podcast Mm. was just amazing I've heard a couple of episodes and you you know just first of all the theme of food like Mm. a lot of people do food-based podcasts but no Mm. one talks about nostalgia and emotions and you know it's not just well, that, it's the yeah. questions, yeah, it's it's the questions mm. you ask, it's your voice quality, it's the softness and for sure, it is mm. your love, it's your passion that's coming out now <laughs> and it totally comes out in that way mm. even when you're talking to guests and, you know, mm. you, again, this the pure joy. It's just pure, mm. unconditional, unadulterated <laughs> joy and it just totally comes out. So mm. when we approach our passion mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. that place, it just... Mm no matter who believes in us or who doesn't doesn't matter right and Mm. that's why I think your podcast has been so successful you are Mm. so successful in the way you tell stories through your photos I think that's that's just amazing I'm just loving this so tell Mm. me a little bit Becky like yeah so I know that you you're not a person who will be like I'm happy with what I have. You are constantly <laughs> challenging. You are. You are. You are not. You are not like, oh, you know. I'm just going to sit at home and do this. No, you are doing no, something. you are constantly. It's a strength and a weakness. It's a yeah. strength and a weakness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I see more of it as a strength because at the end of mm. this, you feel like you have a purpose, right? And mm. and our families are always our purpose, but then. To, for us to feel secure and strong as who we yeah. are, we have to find that you yeah. know, that that foothold for ourselves. And you've created such a beautiful one for yourself. So tell Thank me, you. because working with clients was definitely not an mm-hmm. incentive. Mm-hmm. how do you How do you push yourself? How do you inspire mm-hmm. yourself you know to just constantly keep learning more and other days mm-hmm. that you just get lazy and then you 're like oh, you know i 'm fine i 'm mm-hmm. doing well you know mm-hmm. everybody loves mm-hmm. my work already i 'm there yeah, so, no. you know? <laughs> so how <laughs> no. do you inspire how do you keep mm-hmm. yourself inspired, motivated, mm-hmm. and
0: driven in food photography in mm-hmm. food photography well um, so first of all, I should say this is a very tender conversation for me right now because I have been. Strongly questioning my identity as a food photographer. And because Instagram has changed so much, I am wondering if my attachment to that identity is actually holding me back from stepping fully into, I think, my more prioritized role right now, which is as a podcaster. Um, so food photography for a time was what was bringing people to my podcast. And we can talk about the hack, but I was hacked. I had to start from scratch just at the time that their algorithms were really changing massively. And now I need photography to create a perfect thumbnail on Google. So someone who's searching for a recipe will come to my website, find the recipe, learn the story of the person who gave me the recipe, and then listen to other episodes. That's what I need my food photography to do right now. Unfortunately, because of the environment on Instagram, I can't count on it anymore to show my photos to people who will be intrigued by them, wonder about them, and come to the podcast. So there's very different audiences that I'm taking food photos for right now. And this is a massive struggle that I'm having internally because I really, really love photography. But my time right now is very limited. And it's the podcast, is what I'm all in on. That's what I feel like is my mission. Now I feel like there are stories in this world that I want to bear witness to. And it's my job to put those in the world. And my photography serves that. And the type of photos I was taking, I don't know that they serve it Hmm. anymore. So Hmm. this is a very tender thing for me. But to answer your question specifically, where do I get my inspiration from? I get it from my guests. I get it from my guests and from their recipes. So I, uh, especially earlier before I started to question this, there was like a lot of symbolism and stuff in my photos because my guests will share a lot about the colors or maybe the botanicals that are important to them, the seasons that they Ate this in, which would impact, of course, the color palette. Even a lot of times, people will talk about what their, you know, the, one of my favorite photos ever. Um, someone talked about their mother wore cool colors, but she loved sunflowers. And I just did this like contrasting of blue and gold. That was just, it's still, I mean, one of my favorite photos. And so, and it all came because I was inspired by her mother and she wanted to, sh- I wanted to celebrate her mother the way she wanted to celebrate her mother. So for me, that's very easy. And then it comes from, there's so many um, ingredients that I get to work with that I've never heard of, I've never seen before. And so I like to play with those ingredients and to show them off beautifully. And then I think I'm also motivated by a very contrarian streak in me, which is that I loathe, <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> loathe the fact that Instagram is so Tiresomely predictable. Um, mm. The photos that's going to do well mm. on Instagram is so predictable. The type of food that, if you scroll through your Explore, it shows yep. a high level of technical skill, but mm. it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> say the same, but it is predictable. The ingredients yep. and the types of food that are going to be successful is, and I there's something contrarian in me that I was like I want to, you know, you're going to come on my podcast and you gave me a fish dish and I (laughs) want to make that fish dish as gorgeous as that (laughs) cake covered with fruit and flowers. That's going to be on April feed. That challenge is very inspiring to me. Mm. Um, But like I said, I'm really questioning now and I've actually, to be honest, I've put very strict time limits on myself and I've told myself, you cannot shoot any longer then two hours start to finish making the dish and everything anymore because yes, that's well, and that's a challenge too. Like I love boundaries, boundaries challenged me, but also because if I'm going to do what I want to do as a podcaster, Hmm. it's so sad, but the photography does not serve me. And the same type of photography does not serve me. Um, And I feel like I did with wedding photography, our bedrock principle was as much as we wanted a shot, our responsibility was to our clients. They were paying us a lot of money. And in the same way now, I have a right to grow and to be creative and all of that. But I feel that my responsibility is to my guests and to the stories that they're sharing that we're bearing witness to. And I think it's my responsibility to grow the podcast. And I have to make the choices that uh, serve that best. So I'm really, I, I have to be honest with you, I'm really struggling with that right now and i think you see my style changing a little bit um and there's a real sadness to i think what's happening to my photography and the way that that relates to how much instagram has changed because that was such a big market for me and it's just not anymore and i've really shifted to seo and just pitching news sources and yeah publications and things like that to grow the podcast wow
1: I, at this point, I just want to let everybody know that you're not mm. pursuing food photography commercially, but neither mm. are you pursuing podcasting commercially. Am I right to say mm. that, uh, Becky? Well,
0: uh, let's see. Are uh, you monetizing
1: your podcast right now? I am. Oh, you I are. are. Okay. Yes. Yes. okay. Yes. So, so yes, that's- I'm
0: seeking sponsors right now and I've, I've made very good inroads and this is a process that I'm slowly working through. But yes, I am seeking to monetize the podcast. I don't have a strong timeline for which to do that. But that is something that I decided. Um, there's there's more to the backstory here, but that's something that I decided this year. This is a goal I'm really gonna commit to um is monetizing this because it's the next challenge. And yeah. it's also, you know, I think there's a reality to do it that I don't need to explain to everybody. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And there's no compliment like a check, right? Like at some point you need the affirmation of being monetized and you need that accountability to keep going.
1: And you're putting in so much work for it. You're putting that out. And if there is something that's coming in return, we all do that. Whether it's photography or creativity writing artists, everybody, musicians, everybody does it. So, I mean, this is just part of life. And so, yeah,
0: it's time, it's time. And I'm I'm working on it. I've put processes in place. I've been very diligent and I've, I've had a lot of really, really good feedback. Frankly advertisers are new to thinking about podcasting. And so I actually, I I had a really great response the other day where someone was like, I'd actually like to bring you into a conversation with our team about even pivoting to podcasting. We hadn't considered it. So it's, it's a little bit of, I think, tougher ground maybe at the moment. But I'm working on it and I'm enjoying that challenge. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed to say that I, there's a lot of shame, I think, when we talk about money. So I want to not be embarrassed to say, no, I'm not. Well, I make some small money various ways, but I'm not really making money right now. But I'm also not embarrassed to say, yeah, I've started on that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I I think, yeah, I I think my point with that was that, you're the foundation of doing this is your passion and your love for food, right? So Mm. and monetization has come about, you know, it is only Mm. natural for it, for you to monetize something that is doing so well that you feel like, okay, this can be, you know,
0: something but other than that, that is
1: you did not start there.
0: That's not how you started. So that is very important. Yeah. No, it's not. And I do think it's important to say, I made a very conscious decision. My goal, my first goal here is not to make money. Again, I think I could have done that. I mean, yeah, we built a wedding photography business. I think I could have built a food photography business. I don't know, right? Coulda, shoulda, woulda. I never have done it. <laughs> so I can't say I could have, but I think I would know how to maybe start trying. And yes, I made a conscious decision not to, and I understand and recognize and affirm that that is a privilege. And I don't hold that out as some sort of like moral superiority that I did things that way. That was just a choice that my husband and I made together, just like we make all of our choices for our family. Yes, yes,
1: yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I think a lot of folks might want to hear that, that that is Mm -hmm. definitely not everybody has that choice. But when you do, then, you know, Mm -hmm. it's you're blessed. (laughs) So, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, so tell me a little Mm -hmm. bit. Let's talk about social media. I know that. Oh my God, I call it the dark times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Social media has gone through something that was unforeseen. Like Instagram was so creatively, you know, satisfying. It was something that gave us all joy and Mm it sucked away every little Mm -hmm. ounce of pleasure that we had, just Mm -hmm. looking and feeling Mm -hmm. inspired. So I'm totally with you on Mm -hmm. that. But tell me a little bit like, Did you start your journey with social media as an important part of it and then it just dwindled Mm -hmm. or where does social media really lie in your creative,
0: creative journey more from that point of view? Where does it Mm. lie? uh, Where does it lie? So you're asking, like, how did that? Uh, like, is
1: it important to you? Is it right critical? now? Yeah, and I think you kind of answer that, and you're like, you're just pivoting,
0: right? But you did. Well, start- you, you have to. You have to. And I think, I mean, like I said, there's there's real sadness. This is what I wish Instagram would understand: is that this is not like a a trite. Oh, I want some vanity numbers, and you're not giving me those vanity numbers. This is that Instagram has. And they have the right to do this by the way. This is their product. Yeah. We are not customers. We do not pay for this. So I want to emphasize Instagram has the right to do whatever they want. Okay? Yeah. yeah. But in terms of the impact and if they want to understand what's happening and what will probably happen to their platform, what I feel like I would want them to understand is that they truly did come in with these algorithms and destroy a community. Because there was a community of people on there that, and listen, the wedding photography community was not like this, but they supported each other. They inspired each other. They cheered for each other. The vast majority of my podcast guests I met on Instagram. And I just, like I told you earlier, I wanted to know more. And so I reached out to find out more about this person. And then I got to enjoy a lovely long chat with them and this whole process of releasing an episode with them. And the problem is, it's honestly, it's honestly not about the numbers. They don't show me my friends' work anymore. They don't show my friends my work anymore. So even like Instagram's a cycle. I'm in a totally dry low thing. Well, three weeks ago I was in a super duper high, and I gained you know 2,000 followers in two weeks or something like that. Listen, that's gonna come back. Any of us, we're going to go through these cycles, right? And Instagram happens to like. I think throwing these cycles out, I think they're like crack dealers. They throw them out when you're, no, I'm, I'm I'm serious. It's very well, I think planned. They get it to you at a certain point. So you stay on longer and then it drops. And then you know what wow. I mean?
1: Oh. And uh,
0: yeah, like I've seen people in this cycle many a time, you know, yeah. and that's yeah. why I've removed all emotion from it. I just post on schedule and that's that's that. But um, I was talking to a friend of mine Costas Milas, Milas, um, mm-hmm. he's a UK photographer. Yeah, I was talking mm-hmm. to him about that time and he said, You know, I'm going through a huge one too. Like my reach is actually great, but it doesn't matter because it's not my friends seeing it. Right. You see what I'm saying? So, like the yeah. community itself is gone. Yeah. And uh, who cares if I get 2000 followers and probably a large portion of them are bots and probably, and, and the ones that aren't ever going to see my work again, anyhow. Yeah. So, the community aspect is gone. And that is a real sadness because that was really a wonderful... Uh, listen, I'm not one of these people who's like living life in the multiverse and all of that. Like I understand real life is real life and all that, but really, these are genuine friendships. I've met yep. a lot of people in real life. Um, I've called them for support and that community is gone because of Instagram. And what it also means is I can't count on a certain amount of reach anymore. And so the photos that I was putting my heart and soul into, they're not impactful. They're not bringing people to the podcast, at least not on a regular basis. And so now I look at Instagram as a cherry on top. It's like my work is the podcast. I Once I was hacked, that was a pivotal thing for me. I noticed there's a lot of people on Instagram and they think of social media as their work. Mm -hmm. Social media should not be anyone's work. If you're a commercial photographer, that's your work. If you're a food blogger, that's your work. If you're a podcaster, that's your work. Social media is not your work. Social media serve your work. Yep. Right? Yeah. And right. so, right. And so, now I just have to question if it's not serving my work, what do I need to do? Like you have to really get that straight in your mind.
1: Yeah.
0: What's so, your work? I mean, all
1: of this, I'm just like nodding my head. I'm (laughs)
0: just like, I could not agree
1: more, you know, Mm. a lot of the way I started food photography, I switched from architecture Mm. to food photography was because Mm. of Instagram and the community. So I totally, totally hear you. Half of the people, Mm. I don't even see them anymore. And you know, they were familiar faces, people who had Mm -hmm. never met, but I just knew Mm -hmm. them. So Mm. tell me a little bit about your emphasis Mm. on community. And do you think that it ever inspired you in your creative journey it oh, ever yeah. got you out of a black hole and what was the oh, importance yeah. of community for you on social media mm. I think if we keep our, our heart there
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> keep our focus right. there, it, it might it might soothe
1: the pain a little bit <laughs> yes
0: yes yes well I think that um yes to all of those things obviously um visually I was inspired by the global community I mean I started this podcast and I kind of thought it was going to be like a thousand American grandmothers making cookies for <laughs> their grandkids like that's how narrow my thinking was and immediately I'm talking to people you know you're in Singapore and I mean immediately I noticed I was never talking to people from the US that's that's not entirely true but it was immediately about culture and my curiosity about other cultures and food is just a carrier for that by the way like my real love is for People and their stories, which is deeply rooted in their culture. And food is a carrier of all of that. You know what I mean? So, yes, I was totally inspired by the global community, totally inspired when I would see this ingredient or read about a festival and say, I want to know more about this. Can you come on my podcast? You know what I mean? So, completely inspired by that. And that's something you can't get outside of social media, like, right? This globalness. Like, I can't get that. Well, I live in a super diverse area, but still this uh, access to friendships that are global is unique to social media. That's a very special thing. Um, it's a wonderful thing. So I was inspired by that, obviously by the photography inspired by, um, and then I used to be, I, as you can tell, I'm a very like hard on my sleeve kind of person. And I used to, when I was down, write captions about being down. If I had learned a lesson, I would write a caption about learning a lesson and then it would start these huge conversations. I mean, I might only have a hundred likes, but I'd have a hundred comments also. Yes, you know yes, what I mean? Yes. So all of that community completely drove me. It completely mm. drove me. And I am, like I said, this is a very tender thing for me right now. Um, do you concede to that loss or do you fight for what's left? It's a very difficult question that I'm struggling with deeply right now.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I For me, social media was always a place of joy, you know, I am a commercial food photographer. So for mm-hmm. me, I have another world there. But this mm-hmm. was just where I came back to talk to passionate people and you know, mm-hmm. again, share ideas and thoughts and just chat with somebody like they're mm-hmm. sitting next to you. And yeah, it's a bit lost. It's a bit lost. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. so sad. Mm-hmm. But I want it to is. I want to stay positive and I want to keep our episode <laughs> positive. And I, want, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we really can't do much about it. Like you said, Mm -mm. Instagram is going to do whatever the heck they want and we are just Mm -hmm. going to, we'll just see and how we deal with it. Only time will tell. But for now, Becky, I'm just so amazed and like my heart is full just hearing your story of passion. Mm -hmm. You know, I love people Mm -hmm. who work from a place of passion, Mm -hmm. uh, who are driven by passion and, you know, love for anything. And for you, it was Mm -hmm. food, stories, culture, you know, all of Mm -hmm. that. So it's just Mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful. And I want to leave The episode Mm. with that positivity. Yes, before before we end, I have one more question for you. Yes. And that is for anyone who is Mm. not looking to make money, who who Mm. is blessed or who cannot Mm. turn into a professional food photographer, what would be your advice to them to stay inspired and work from a place of passion?
0: Mm. Well, I do think that there has to be something that drives them, right? Like there has to be a goal. And Mm. if it's not to get the next client, then it does need to be, um, to, um, I think, I think we need to be careful about our goals. We can't necessarily predict outcomes, but we can always predict actions, right? So for instance, I have a goal right now to pitch the podcast every day. And so I think that people need to have a goal because we all go through ups and downs and you can't let the downs just make you stop. So whether your goal is to find a new family recipe every week and shoot it, or your goal is to every other week, post a recipe on your blog. Or your goal is to reach out to five. Um, listen, like there's a contract for everyone. That's something that I've <laughs> learned, you know, as yeah. at, in business as a wedding photographer. Whether it's to reach out to five brands that you think are a stretch to you a month, and you know, I think everyone needs to have a goal, and it can't be to get a picture to post on social media. It can't be. That can't be your goal. You need to have another goal, and if there is no other goal, then it may be that it's not enough of a passion for you. You know. Yeah, yeah. So that would wow. be that would be my suggestion. That is so, Becky. Like
1: that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly the impression I've had of you, like throughout entire conversation. You challenge you answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you need girls. You need to challenge yourself. You need mm-hmm. to work towards something. But that incentive does not have to be money. It doesn't have to be clients. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that. It has to be something mm-hmm. that fills your soul. I yeah, love it. I, I love so. it. Oh, I fantastic. So. Becky, this is yeah. amazing. This is Thank such you. a unique conversation. And I think mm. that uniqueness and you you stand out so much because of, you know, how you think. And that's why your mm. podcast is so
0: unique. And, you know, mm. that's why you're touching so many hearts. I love Thank it. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're so, so kind. And I am so excited to have you on and learn your story. Oh, I can't wait. I don't think my mm. stories are as interesting as yours, but <laughs>
1: Well, Becky, it was such a pleasure having you. My it pleasure. was a terrific, terrific conversation. And I, I think you brought back the joy and the passion that a lot I of us so. might have found missing on social media. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. you brought our attention I back to so. why we do what we do. So Becky, before you go, would you be able to please once again share mm-hmm. your Instagram handle, your wonderful blog, yes. and your podcast with our audience?
0: Yes, everything is just the Storied Recipe podcast. You can find it in any player on Instagram, it's the storiedrecipe.podcast, I think, and uh, you can Google it and you'll find my website. Yeah. So I would love to connect with anyone who's listening. It would absolutely be my honor. Again, this is just driven by people and their stories. And I, I'm very curious. I want to know more.
1: Thank you so much, Becky. Such a pleasure Thank having you. you.
0: It was really my pleasure. Thank you so much. So what do you think? Did you like the conversation?
1: Oh my God, I just loved it. I just love it when an artist talks from a place of passion. And, you know, we always get caught between how to find more clients, how to make more money or how to deal with social media. But when we have somebody who just comes and gives us such a good reminder that at the end of all of this or at the beginning of all of this, the only thing that mattered was our craft, getting better at our art, challenging ourselves, Meeting our goals and just getting better at something that we truly, truly love. And I think Becky drove home that point so beautifully. I just love how she's so clear about what she wants, what is meant as business, what is not meant as business, and where she finds her joy. I mean, a simple thing like cutting a potato and having sun, uh, watching the sun on it that is precious. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of us can relate to emotions like that, right? Those are the stories that we tell in our food. So I hope that this episode left you with a different way to think about food photography. She leverages her food photography for her podcast. If you're doing something else where you feel a food photo can elevate that business, it can elevate that hobby, it can elevate that passion, then That's another way to think about it. You could also think about any other way that you find food photography more fulfilling, more soulful, if pursuing it professionally is not your choice or not your option, right? I I don't know. I feel like very close to this conversation. I have a huge, huge appreciation for anyone who comes from a place of passion and hard work. And even though she feels so strongly about her passion Money has not been the consideration, of course, for very personal reasons, but I feel like it makes us look at creativity in a very different way. That was my purpose of bringing Becky on board for our conversation today. And I hope that it left you with the inspiration that she definitely left me with. And if you have any questions, if you want to check out her podcast, please go look at the Storied Recipe podcast. She's an amazing storyteller in her food photos. And she's an amazing storyteller, even in her podcast. And if you have any questions, please feel free to send them to me at dyutuma underscore myfoodlens on Instagram or just shoot me an email on hello at myfoodlens. All right. I'll see you with another episode next time. Bye-bye.